0: NAFTA podcast. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. NFT podcast, we're back, and by we're, I mean I'm back, just me solo dolo episode um, for the second time in the pod's history. I think season one, Michael did one um, by himself when I went on my first honeymoon. A little flex there. Two honeymoons over in this place. Um, but Michael's on a bachelor party, not his own. Dylan is at work. Nick is out. So it's just me. Um, it is going to be just me diving into a preview of this weekend. And we're going to touch on the Milan Derby that happened Um, midweek in the Champions League. But first, some big news. I think I mentioned it before. Um, As you all have kind of gotten to know, some of the people on the pod um, as personalities, I am starting a new job coming up next week. So I had some time off. I don't start till Tuesday. So Thursday here in New York, went and dove into the Met. Uh, Have not... Had not been there in a long, long time um, and honestly, you could spend a year there and not see everything. It was wild uh but midday going to a museum highly recommend it uh outside of the fact that every school is doing their like last month field trip there. It was pretty awesome, ton of shit to see um so much stuff that. You can't even conceive. I was in the Paleolithic. I was in the uh, Byzantine Empire. I was in the Egyptian times. I was, you know, kind of doing everything. So, um, definitely, first bit of advice, I guess, from a solo pod from John is check out museums uh, for sure. I think it was pretty awesome just to go in and, and get to walk around even by myself. Second thing, and I'm I'm a little under the weather, as you can probably tell, but. Second thing I'll mention is after I was done with the museum, went and did like a solo lunch, sat at the bar, had a sandwich, talked to the bartender. I think eating out by yourself is actually one of the best things that you can do. It's pretty cool. Uh, You don't always have to be with people to do it. I think that there sometimes is a weird stigma, um, especially probably in the Midwest where we grew up, that you cannot do that. You're not going to go out to eat by yourself. But here in New York, people do it all the time. It's very enjoyable. You kind of just get to chill, uh, enjoy your food, and people watch um, or like talk to the bartender like I did. Great way to get some more information about what is going on in the neighborhood, what new restaurants are open the background of the bartender and everything. So, great afternoon. Um, As you all know, this podcast is no one's full-time job, so... You know, getting a new job and, and being able to kind of move forward there was, was pretty awesome for me. Speaking of, we are – this will be episode 148 altogether. It's actually kind of wild that we've only had to do a solo pod for this twice since we started. Um, again, the four of us do this for fun on the side. You know, we have not broken it big as you can probably tell. Um, and we kind of just do it for enjoyment. So the fact that there's only been two instances where there's only one person that has to record, um I think is pretty pretty wild and pretty awesome. So with that said, let's go ahead and dive in to what happened in the Champions League uh with the Milan Derby. Inter two Milan nil. uh Milan was the home team but as you all are probably aware, both these teams play at the San Siro where the game was held. A goal in the eighth minute off of a corner for Jecko um, gave Inter a 1-0 lead. And then Mkhitaryan in, in the 11th minute, just three minutes later, uh, got the second goal for Inter and they held on for the rest of the match. Um, if you didn't watch this one, is pretty interesting. I think that there is a huge advantage now. Obviously, this, this tie's not over. There's two legs. But there's a huge advantage now if Inter gets to move on. I think that they played a total of like 20 minutes offensively in this. They got their goals and then they sat back and they kind of took the pressure and really were looking to just absorb, absorb, absorb and maybe hit some counters here and there. If Inter move on in this tie. If Inter move on to the uh, Champions League final, that is what they're going to have to do. It doesn't matter if it's City. It doesn't matter if it's Madrid. That is the game plan that they're going to have to implement if they want to win that. So the fact that they are getting a run through in a meaningful game right before it, to be able to work on that tactic, I think is going to bode for them pretty well. Now, we're we're Premier League homers, for sure, on this podcast. Um, we think it's the best league around. We don't think there's much of a competition. Obviously, every time Real Madrid just whacks one of us in the final, we have to eat a little bit of crow on that. But if you also watch this game, these two teams are not as good as Real Madrid and Manchester City. I think I mentioned in the episode prior with you know Michael that you are waiting as a man city fan I'm watching that game and I'm, I'm I'm waiting for there to be a Madrid mistake so that we can pounce on it, turn it into an opportunity, and score and it just didn't happen. There had to be creation on our own, which we sh- certainly struggled with um, to be able to score and it is quite the contrary in this game. I think that the the midfield here was sloppy, um, as evident by both teams having more than 12 total shots. Uh, Inter had two big chances. They converted, I think, both of them. Uh, Milan had one. But the fact that there was so much openness, I guess, and, and, and so many just mistakes in the midfield... I personally think that whoever moves on from this game is going to have a Herculean task to be able to win that final. And I don't think that's a unique position. I think most people, if you ask them who the two best teams in the final four are, neither one of these two teams are probably cracking the top two for many people. But um, it, it just looked like a typical Premier League team match like if we were playing Forest if city was playing forest and you know, there's going to be some mistakes in that midfield where we're going to be able to win the ball back and, and hit them on a press or hit them on a, a counter or hit them on a quick chance. Um, so I, I just, and again, this isn't a unique position, but I just think that these two teams are playing for a chance to be in the final and, and having to watch someone else lift the trophy now city, has already been in that place where we thought Chelsea was just going to show up so that they could watch city lift the trophy. And that didn't happen. The champions league is wild. It's crazy. It never really works out how you think it's going to work out. But from the outside looking at it or, or, or from a, a perspective that I think isn't unique. I, I think that, you know, these two teams are the third best and the fourth best team left in this tournament. Um. All right. Let's jump into the match week um, coming up this weekend. Ten games, a full slate. Uh, very important games coming up. We have to figure out who's actually getting going to gonna get into Europe. we got to figure out who's actually going to get relegated. As we've talked about many times before, we're pretty sure Southampton is, is down. So we know that one's in, and we know for a fact that Man City and Arsenal are finishing 1-2. Um three and four up for debate, five, six and seven. Obviously, people are still battling for that. First game of the weekend. You got Leeds United hosting Newcastle. Big game for Leeds. They actually drew earlier this year and the Premier League got a point off of Newcastle, which is a huge point. It was at St James Park as well. This one's gonna be at Ellen Road. No one in their right mind is gonna give Leeds a shot in this. Uh, Newcastle, obviously the better team, is currently sitting in third. Leeds battling relegation. Um, I think that if Leeds has a chance to stay up, it's not going to be because of this game. Hopefully, they're going to stay up, they get some points off of West Ham. And honestly, even playing Tottenham the last day of the year, that match is a little bit easier for them. So I personally have Newcastle. Kind of walking away with this one. Again, I don't think that's a shocking uh, choice here. Um, and Newcastle themselves have to start kind of getting it in the gear. If we take a look at the remainder of their fixtures, they have Leeds, they have Brighton, they have Leicester, and they have Chelsea. Um, this is obviously going to be the one of the easiest ones. Leicester, you got to think that's going to be another three points for them. But Brighton and Chelsea. Um, both tougher matches they currently are sitting three points above liverpool two points above manchester united game in hand against liverpool um my thought and i think it's been the thought of the podcast for the past couple of weeks at the very least is i think they're pretty safe in third with that remaining schedule i think that Something a little bit wonky is going to have to happen for them to lose out on that. Manchester United not playing well right now, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Liverpool surging at the right time, but did they give themselves enough of a runway to get it done? They only have three games left. So the best that they can finish is on, you know, 71 points. That's just two wins for Newcastle. Goal differential for Newcastle is seven plus. On Liverpool. Um, Not the biggest one. They, They probably wish it was a little bit bigger. But for me, I think if Liverpool gets into the Champions League, it's going to be in that fourth spot. And again, probably something that we're going to talk about. The other key thing that I want to mention. We're going to talk about Chelsea here in a little bit. I didn't realize that they literally have a say in how the season is going to end no matter what. They play Newcastle, I believe they play uh, Liverpool, Newcastle, oh, here, they got Man City, they got Man United, they got Nottingham Forest, and they have Newcastle. Um, So they're going to get a say in who wins the league, if they can beat Man City, and some other things can happen, Arsenal might be able to sneak in. Nottingham Forest, in my mind, honestly, I know they're only three points safe, but huge results recently and i think that they may have separated themselves hopefully in the in the relegation battle um so that might not be an issue but but they play Nottingham Forest. they're gonna have a say in that relegation battle and then the top four they have both man united and newcastle so so chelsea who again we're going to talk about in a second but gonna have a say in how the season turns out like i said leeds Hosting Newcastle, I got Newcastle in this one. Villa, they're playing host to Hotspur, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Earlier in the season, Villa won 2-0 going away. Big three points from them on New Year's Day. Uh, Unai had the team playing especially hot recently, but two losses, one to Man United and then one to Wolves back-to-back. Has them kind of skidding a little bit. This will be an interesting match. You never know which Tottenham team you're going to have. Who's going to show up? They just beat Palace one 0 but right before that, you know they lose to Liverpool four three. They tie United two two. They lose to Newcastle six one. Uh, they lose to Bournemouth three two. They're a mess. Uh, and if you think that you have a beat on them, predicting where they're going to, f- wh- who they're going to beat, where they're going to finish, what they're going to score. Anything, if if you think that you have them figured out, I'd love to meet you because I certainly don't. Um, I think because this game is at Villa, at Villa Park, and because Villa still has that weird outside shot of, hey, if we can put some results together and Brighton kind of screw up, maybe we're in Conference League next year. I think Unai really has to get that message across. And, and these are games that he's going to say, we got to win. We got to finish this season strong. We need to take some momentum into next year. Therefore, I got Villa winning this one at home. Um, I just can't, for, for the life of me, figure out how Tottenham's going to play, um, how well they're going to do. Um, again, if Villa can win this one, they got Liverpool next. It's at Anfield. That'll be a really, really tough match. You cannot even pencil in any points there, especially with how I think Klopp's going to have these guys finish the season. But the all-important game, and they want to be within striking distance of Brighton on the last day of the season when they play Brighton. To be able to do that, they've they got to beat Tottenham for this one. So I got Villa, and I got it because I want that seventh place to be a little bit interesting at the end of the year. We mentioned Chelsea. They're going to play Nottingham Forest. Um, they're hosting them at Stanford Bridge. Both of these teams have more injuries than you can count. If we go back earlier in the year, again, a New Year's Day game. A uh, tie 1-1 at Forest. Um, Chelsea coming off of a win against Bournemouth, but it was their first win in you know six years. And Forest kind of getting three points here, three points there. They just beat Southampton 4-3 in that thrilling match uh, last week. Lost to Brentford, but beat Brighton right before that. I think if they get another point, they're safe. They're only three points different from, I believe, uh, Everton. They're, They're one point different from Everton, three points different from Leicester. I think they're one point away from safety. At least being able to think like, hey, a lot of things have to go against us, which... You're sitting there in sixteenth a lot of things already have, so you never know, but I think that one more point for Forrest will bode well for them. I mean it's been banance all season on this podcast with Chelsea. um I don't want to stop the 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 momentum there i I think I want to take Forrest, but I want to take him as a draw. I think maybe this game ends let's say two two. I know Forrest doesn't score as well away as they do at home give me a Pulisic goal and maybe a Ziyech goal for um, Chelsea and then just a double dip for Morgan Gibbs White for Forrest they'll share points and I think if Forrest can go away there with a draw and sit on 34 points with two games left one against Arsenal probably won't win that one even though it's at home and then going away to, to Palace, I think that they're going to be in a pretty good spot not to be relegated um, and kind of survive there. Chelsea, like I mentioned earlier, they have a say in how the rest of the season is going to shake out. This Forest game, I, I don't want to say it's huge for them to, to get any points anymore. I mean, they, they're not going to get relegated. They're safe. I don't know what team actually shows up here. Um, I think this would be a great time for—I don't know—is it a great time for Lampard to to experiment? He does—he's not going to have this job. Do they want to give a run to some of the younger players um, on the Chelsea squad? Probably. I think that'd be smart. But none of these games now are must-win, and everyone else going up against Chelsea, has more to lose than Chelsea does. So I think that really plays an interesting scenario for them where Forest, City, United, Newcastle, they may only get one point out of this. They may end this season on 43 points and be in danger of maybe falling falling to 12th or 13th they're not going to catch Fulham uh, but you got to wonder if for the next 3 or 4 match weeks if if you see Chelsea are they already on the beach are they already giving up on the season or you know what is going to go on there and you never know i think their best bet play some of these younger guys give some of these guys a shot because they're going to go at it if not to to try to secure a spot for next season to get on the Chelsea loan train and go play somewhere else. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I I just feel like there's nothing much to play for in these last four games and everyone they're playing against needs to get a result, wants to get a result. So that's why I got Forrest tying him up 2-2. Morgan Gibbs-White, the big, the big uh, hero there. Palace, they're going to host Bournemouth. Um, earlier in the season, Palace beat Bournemouth 2-0 on New Year's Eve. Bournemouth is currently sitting in 14th overachieving this season palace as you can imagine in 12th where they belong and where they've always been um I th- I think this one's a draw I, like we said on the last pod Hodgson came in and did the job they said we want to finish 12th and he was like I oblige I'll figure it out and he he made sure that they stayed there um Again, being a, an American sports fan and, and learning more and more about the Premier League, in my mind, I don't understand. I mean, I think this Palace job should be a very sought-after job. You're in London. You have an incredible fan base. They have talent up and down the roster. I am really going to be interested to see who they are going to pick and who is going to become the manager there. As everyone who listens to this pod consistently knows, Palace is kind of my second team. I I love watching them. I, I wanna root for them when they're not playing City. When they do play City, they tend to get some points on us. Um I want someone good there. I thought Vieira might have been the answer. He wasn't. Um definitely isn't Hodgson. I don't wanna live in the past there. I I think they need to get and it's easier said than done, obviously, but Marco Silva is a great coach at Fulham. They're not going to get him. They need someone in that vein. is a great coach at Brighton. They're not going to get him. They need someone in that vein. They need someone young. They need someone who wants to build, but also is smart and is a good coach. Again, easier said than done. Everyone wants to get a smart, young, good coach. Um, but I think with the talent that they have, if you are, as I said, a smart, young, good coach, that position should intrigue you. You should be interested in in becoming the coach at palace. And I, I think that it should be a job that is, is well sought after Bournemouth beginning of the season. And, and throughout a lot of the first half, man, I was pretty sure that they're going to get relegated. They have totally shocked me this season. They have resilience. They have a lot of fight. They have Michael B. Jordan. They have Creed. Um, I think that's all you need at this point. Uh, Impressive season by them. I am glad they're going to come back. Actually, I think through the second half, I've enjoyed more and more and more watching them play and and getting to talk about them and and being able to say like, hey, like this isn't an easy match. Um, obviously, a lot of us backed them to beat Chelsea last week. Didn't work out, but you know, I'm pumped at Bournemouth staying. Uh, great season. More Michael B. in the Premier League. Um, so like I said, 1-1 on this one. If Zaha plays, I think he, I hope he's not injured. I, I didn't get to double-check that. Maybe a goal for him. Maybe a goal for Dom Solanke. Nice little 1-1 draw. And hopefully it, it happens because I know that Michael's kind of breathing down my neck as it is for the um, all-time prediction record here in, in the Premier League. A Tucker family derby. Manchester United, they're going to host Wolves. Must win, question mark, um, for United, especially if they want to get the train back on the tracks for uh, Champions League. A 1-0 loss to West Ham last time out, and a 1-0 loss to Brighton right before that. um, Had them kind of scrambling a little bit here. Wolves with a big win against Villa um which is the answer that they needed because they lost to Brighton 6-0 right before that this is interesting uh i think smart people would think that wolves are probably one foot onto the beach they did the job lobategi's probably thinking about next season already he's trying to get people playing time that he wants to give a run to and see hey are you going to be able to make an impact next year who do i need to see if they're fit now so that i can maybe sell them in the summer i again this is going to kind of be more of like that chelsea situation where if you're wolves you're you're not playing for much and united's kind of playing for everything i do think that if they don't get champions league this year manchester united this is and i think michael said this last pod it's a huge disappointment. Um I think they're in the driver's seat for it and they've kind of just a malaise has, has washed over them and and now they've fallen back into hey, our biggest traditional rivals might catch us um and go forth. So they got everything to play for. What's interesting about Manchester United is they got Wolves and they got Bournemouth and they got Chelsea and they got Fulham. And again, Every time they step foot on the field, they're going to be the only team that really has something to play for. Um, that can be a positive, but it can also be a negative because sometimes you play to the competition that is is going on out there. And if that happens, they just don't have that firepower to, if they're down by a goal, come back and score two as consistently as I think they want. Um, I know that we talked about it last pod. I think, they're pieces away. I wanted to say they're closer to the promised land. Michael immediately corrected me and and informed me that they're not, but it's kind of like a running offense in football right now with them. If you can get a goal on them, you're probably going to get a draw cuz they're not scoring a lot. Um, and that's what they got to be wary of. They got to get a lead and they got to get it early and they got to show up to these games knowing that hey, We need to win these. We need to secure Champions League because at this point, that's got to be the ultimate goal for them. With that said, United won. Wolves nil. I got Manchester United. I got Big 40 with a goal. Um, Haven't seen them on the score sheet as often as the beginning of the season. Good to see them get back on track. Big win for United. Three points there. Southampton and Fulham. Again, this is going to be a game where not many... None of these teams have really much to play for. I think Fulham's secured just some mid-table prominence there. Um, I mean, you can say they have an outside shot to maybe get seventh, but not even really. They are seven points behind Brighton, and and Brighton has two games in hand. I think that they need to start talking about just being top ten this season was a great season. I think it was. I don't think I had them at all near 10th. I'm pretty sure I was pretty close to having them being flirting with relegation. Like I mentioned before, Marco Silva, great coach. Um, Unfortunately, Tim Ream's done for the year, broken arm. I think he has been for, for two weeks now, but he's out. I'm hoping that he can rest up a bit just because this summer, I know that Team USA is gonna have some big games. Let's talk about Southampton. They're gonna go down to the championship, I think for sure next year. and. Unfortunately, I don't see a world where they yo-yo right back up. Uh, I'm obviously not an expert in this. And I think that if you asked anyone about Burnley last year, they might have said the same thing and now look at them. But they wanted to just raid the Manchester City Academy this summer. Sometimes people would think that's a decent idea, but the one star that they got out of it is for sure not going to the championship with them. Uh, Lavia is going to move on. He basically was rented by Southampton for a year, and obviously he has a huge impact on the Premier League, so I couldn't even imagine what he'd do in the championship, but I just don't see the players that they're going to be able to hold on to to be able to you know compete in what is probably the hardest league in all of England. Uh, and I think it starts on the top, who's their coach going to be? Who who's going to take over here? Who's going to be the leader? I think if you're JWP, you obviously you're going to get out of there too, I'd hope. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what team he goes to and how he'll be used. But in in my mind right now, Southampton's in a really bad spot, and it's not obviously just because they're getting relegated. I think it's because they're going to get relegated, and they're going to be middle of the pack in the championship, uh, I think. And and again, I can be totally wrong. I'm not an expert in this, but I just think it's, it's tough times there. Just because both the, these teams have nothing to play for doesn't mean I don't think Fulham won't come out on top I just think that they're so much better of a team. I think that uh, Marco Silva's probably motivated by the amount of points that they get this season. He wants to crack 50. If he can put a couple good results together, maybe he can do 55. If I take a look at the remainder of their games, Southampton, Palace, Man United, 55 would be tough. I think Man United's going to be a tough game there. But to be able to get some motivation out of those players, I think... He needs to say, hey, let's get above 50 points. Let's try to get all three points here and keep going there. So I got Fulham. I got 2-0, maybe. 1-0 I feel better about, but 2-0 because I want to go out on a limb. Um, But three points for Fulham uh, against Southampton. Brentford. They're going to host West Ham. Earlier this season, West Ham beat them in the FA Cup. But in the league, Brentford 1-2-0 at West Ham. West Ham's safe. Let's get that out of the way first and foremost. West Ham is obviously safe. They are seven points clear of Leicester, who is in 18th. And they both have three games to play. If Leicester can pick up eight points in three games, tip your hat to him. But I, you know, I feel like West Ham is safe at this point for sure. Brentford, on the other hand you would have thought and I did. I maybe stupidly I thought Brentford was the best team of the the Fulham, Brighton and then Villa with that late surge. I thought they were going to maybe nick the Conference League. That doesn't look like it's in the cards anymore either. Again, Brighton 5 points clear and they have two games in hand. I think both these teams have nothing to play for <laughs> now at this point then, which is tough, um, especially when you want to sit here and consider like, hey, I I got to make sure I do better than Michael in some of these predictions. So, smart money would be on Brentford. Smart prediction would be on Brentford. I think I have to stick with that. Let's go two one. Um, I'll do uh Michael Antonio goal just because I haven't seen one from him in a minute. But Ivan Tony does a double. You get the stars out. Um. And you get Brentford with all three points here and hopefully another win for me in the season-long prediction. Everton City. Look, Everton took points on City earlier in the season. You can't imagine that that's going to happen again. And I say that somewhat hesitantly. Uh, being more stitious than, than a little stitious, but less stitious than superstitious. Um, I really have to believe... That City is in Pep's version of LeBron's 0 dark thirty twenty three 23 mode. Um, the game against Madrid was tough. It challenged City in a way that they have not been challenged, I feel like, this season at all, at least since that first match against Arsenal. And there may be some fatigue there. I really want to get Nathan Ake back. I think that he's had an exceptional season. I think Akanji's had an exceptional season, so much so that two years ago, if you had said where Amrik Laporte is not playing in any of these games, I would have thought that you're nuts. But the, the defensive players have really stepped up the season, and this has been one of the better defensive teams that Pep has had since he's been in the Premier League. And it's ironic to say that because you know Ederson's not really at the top of the list for clean sheets this season. So they let in a goal, but they they've been very very consistent. It's just been able to outscore people. Um, long story longer on this one. City three, Everton nil. Uh, Holland with two, De Bruyne with one. Good prep. Now nah, actually, let's do this. Let's do Holland. Alvarez and De Bruyne with the three goals uh, in this game. A good prep for Madrid for midweek next week. And I just got to hope that we have enough gas left in the tank to be able to A, win this one, and then compete with the Spanish Giants at home, uh, I believe on Wednesday of next week. But 3-0 win, Everton languishing, Everton not looking Everton's gonna make it interesting. Look, they're they're two points up on Leicester, uh, for that 18th spot. They got City, they got Wolves, and they got Bournemouth. Again, we've talked about this before. Wolves don't really have much to play for anymore, but I I think that they may want they might want to beat a team that they're supposedly better than. There's always going to be that motivation at the very least. But they're not really playing for much. Bournemouth is kind of in that same boat. I think Bournemouth. Needs to have the same message we just talked about Fulham with. Can we crack 40 points? Can we crack 42, 43, whatever it may be? Um, But Everton, at the very least, have two games at the end of their fixtures that they need to be competitive with. Whereas if we look at Leicester, man, they're hitting the buzzsaw. Uh, Liverpool, Newcastle, West Ham at the end of the year. But West Ham's playing better. They are. Moisey's got them playing a little bit better. Um, This isn't the one that Everton can seal it on. They're not going to beat Man City, but maybe if they can pull one out against Wolves, they have a shot there. Maybe they can pull one out against Bournemouth. They have a shot there to to secure themselves, but it's going to go down to the wire, and I think we all knew that for for a couple weeks now. Arsenal hosting Brighton. Man. Is this... The game of the week. I think so. Arsenal still grasping on to the last bit of hope to be able to win the league. Brighton needs to perform with their games in hand so that they can secure a European spot for sure. If they win both games in hand, they're behind Liverpool. Liverpool for fifth so they'd be in sixth but i think if you're brighton conference league's interesting conference league is a step forward conference league is something that they haven't done before a because the conference league has not been around very long but b it's just when have they been in europe but i actually think a stamp of success on this season would be europa i i think that they're actually a, a Europa League team at this point that would compete very, very well in that tournament. Um, just look at the success West Ham's had in the Conference League this year. Uh, they just beat AZ today. And I think they're going to go to a final, hopefully. I, like I said, I'm rooting for them, for sure. I, I think Brighton goes into the Conference League and slaps some people around, to be totally honest with you. And I think where they really want to test their metal is Europa. I think they'll they'll do pretty well in there as well. Arsenal, it's at home. It's at the Emirates earlier in the season. Arsenal won away four two. Um and I think that they really need to get in the lockdown mode. I just mentioned Pep having City on the LeBron Zero Dark 3023 mode. I think Arteta has a version of that too and I think that maybe some of the players on that team aren't aware of what that is yet, aren't aware of locking in and just being like, look, if we want to give ourselves a, a shot, you got to beat Brighton, you got to beat Forest, you got to beat Wolves. They got three games left, they got to get nine points. I think as a City fan, you should assume they're going to get those nine points, they're going to get to 90, so now it's a race to 91 for us. Um, And... I know that you're going to see leadership out of Arteta. Obviously, I think he's a really, really good coach. I think that this team is going to now be a threat in the league for the foreseeable future. I think that Gabby and Zinny need to step up and be really their guides on to, hey, we still have a shot and we need to perform this way and we need to win and whatever. If they drop any points in the next three games. It's out, it's over, it's done. I think a lot of people are already saying that. I think I feel that way, to be totally honest too. But there's still a shot and they need to approach it that way and they need to perform that way. And for the most part, they have. I mean, a 3-1 win against Chelsea isn't easy. And then a 2-0 win against Newcastle really isn't easy. I think Newcastle's a very good team. Um, But they gotta beat this Brighton team and then Forest and Wolves gonna be a little bit easier matchups, but they need to go in there just expecting to get three points and and playing like hey we're the better team let us you know throw the weight around for sure. Uh, I'll go two one on this one Arsenal win. Brighton's goal from Alex Mack and uh, the Arsenal goal. Who do we want? Who do we want? I I think good money's on Odegaard. I feel like he scored eh, almost every game that he's played over the past couple of weeks. But uh, let's do Odegaard and let's do Sokka. uh, A 2 1 win for Arsenal. Last game of the week Leicester City is hosting Liverpool. Uh, Earlier this season, Liverpool won 2 1 at Anfield. Liverpool have put together a win streak. A bit of form that they have not seen all season. They truly haven't. They have won six games in a row. And I think that obviously if you're a Liverpool fan, there's something in the back of your mind going, God damn it, this is just a little, a too little, too late type of scenario. But there is really still a path for them to get that fourth place for sure. Uh their fixtures are going to be Leicester, Villa, and Southampton. I know Michael wants to shoot me if I say this. You gotta assume Leicester and Southampton are three points each there, just because Liverpool's better. I think that Villa game is going to be tough. I know it's at Anfield; that's a the big advantage for them. But they they got to get all nine, and they got to hope that. United drop a couple of points here. Now, United has four games left. I know we've mentioned this. It's Wolves, it's Bournemouth, it's Chelsea, it's Fulham. I want... It's, you know, I don't want to pick between my, my podcast co-hosts here. I, I, the narrative of Manchester United... Bottling it actually doesn't really intrigue me. I, I don't I'm not the type of person that's wishing for bad things for Manchester United, to be totally honest. That's kind of weird to say, I guess, as a city fan. I think that there's certain players on United that I'm a little bit over-tired of. Bruno Fernandez comes to mind. I think, but most people that aren't Man United fans and some people that are Man United fans feel that way. It's not that I want Man United to fail, but I do think that. A lot of city fans, if we're being totally honest, and maybe not, maybe I'm one of the only ones, but a lot of city fans are actually closeted Klopp fans, uh, and I think that Liverpool in the Champions League just makes sense at this point, and it doesn't make sense as a United. Like I just, I don't know. I I have more. Over the past couple of years I have more memories of Manchester United getting totally thwarted by Sevilla in the Europa League than I do them playing in the Champions League. And that's just a fact. And you got corner taken quickly, you got a you got Liverpool winning it, you got Mo Salah getting injured. I don't really want to see... Like, this could be such a, a stupid way to think, but I just don't really want to see them in the Europa League. Because I think they'll win it, too. That's another thing. Like, closet of the Klopp fan, but like, do I want Liverpool to win the Champions League? No. Do I want them to win the Europa League? No. I think they might win the Europa League next year if they're in the Europa League. So, like, there's a little bit of selfishness in there, too. I just... I think Newcastle and the Champions League is cool, and I think Liverpool does not need to be in the Europa League. I think they've established a brand now over... I mean, they've always been a brand, but... You know, I, I don't want City's biggest competitors over the last five years to go to the Europa League. I'm, I want them in the Champions League. That's just me. Uh, that could be a stupid American perspective. Probably is. Hand up. I'm a stupid American, and that's my perspective. So, I, I want to see... Maybe Dylan play a little little upset city on Man United this week. Maybe Michael B. Jordan ducking and weaving. Maybe tying them in a week or so. Look, Nick, I never want anyone to lose to Chelsea, so I'll give you that one. Uh, and then Marco Silva. Maybe he's auditioning for a role the size of a Man United job in that last game of the season, and they... Play him tough there. Uh, But for me, I sound like one of those idiots that's like, oh man, when it's the Final Four in the college basketball tournament and there's no Kentucky and there's no Kansas and there's no Duke, I just don't like it. Yeah, I guess I am that person right now. I want Liverpool in the Champions League. I don't care if Man United's in it. I want Liverpool in there. Man United can go to the quarterfinals of Europa and lose to some underachieving Spanish team again. That's usually what happens. So let's just do that. You know, that's that is the path that we've been on, and I kinda like that path. Let's just why change? You know, whatever. So, long story longer, on Liverpool and Leicester, I got Liverpool winning this one. I, I think that you are now getting a dynamic back with Liverpool that you've been missing all season, and that's Luis Diaz. I think that's Jota, and I think that if you really want to start thinking about Liverpool at the heights of its powers, they are going to need to get Darwin Nunez firing. Uh, Super athlete. We've talked about this all season. Incredible athlete. Maybe too fast for his own feet. But if, if you can get him on good form with now Luis Diaz playing, with Cody Gakpo looking like he's going to slot right in, Jota's back. He's so dangerous. I I know that I've seen a couple people talk about it. I know I've read a few places where, you know, they don't know if Jota's going to stay, if they're, you know, whatever. How? I, I, I'd take him in a second, to be totally honest with you. Um, and I think at the very end, if you can get those players playing, up to their potential, you're going to take some of the stress off of Mo. And then you're going to also make some of these defenses forget that they have to worry about Salah constantly. And next year he might be back scoring the way that you know him to score. And, and they're going to be just as dangerous as they were, were before. So three nil win for Liverpool. Like I mentioned, Luis Diaz, Jota and Nunez with the goals there. Um, and Barb Tucker, you know, this is my formal invite to you. I think that if we're really honest and we want to get this pod to grow, we need to start hoping that Leeds can just put together three straight wins. Let's get Everton and Lester down the championship. And let's get a Barb and Hank podcast for the championship next year. I think that who loses in that? Hank already brought up a good point. More games for him to watch. That's amazing. Barb, could you imagine? And and I know the listeners can't because a lot of them probably haven't met Barb. Actually, most of them probably have because they're all family members of the talkers who listen to this podcast. But like that personality, that amount of just fiery, like love for life on a podcast. Who loses? No one. No one loses. Let's get that going. Um, so if you want to hope for the NAFTA pod to expand. Let's get Leeds up to 17th. Let's get Everton and Leicester down there and then we can, you know, get a new pod, a championship pod going. Uh, that's predictions for this week. I know it was solo dolo. I know it probably not what most people thought they were gonna listen to, wanted to listen to, who knows? Leave some comments. Let me know. Was I terrible? Was this bad? Do I have a voice for not podcasts? I'm pretty sure I do, but I continue doing it every week because, hey, the barrier of entry for people to do this is so low. We let anyone do podcasts, as we are evidence of. Um, but Solo Dolopod, I think I went better than I thought. I had no clue that I'd be able to fit 48 minutes, but I did. We went through the Champions League, we went through the Premier League predictions. I gave a little bit of advice go check out museums by yourself. Don't be afraid to sit at a table by yourself at a restaurant or at a bar and have a meal. It's great. It lets you relax. It clears your mind. Um, no, No joke this week. I just don't, you know, that's a Dylan thing. He's not here. I try my best imitation of Dylan when he's not here, and I don't think it's any good. So we'll get the joke going next week. We'll get the guys back on the pod. This is an after Podcast. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Podcast. Sometimes times may be good, sometimes may be shit.